At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. First things first, this is about truth-telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah! This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Prep taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. I know the feeling. And so should everybody else right now. Special edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way right now. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show. Yes, I am still on vacation, but obviously I felt compelled to come off vacation in light of what transpired this weekend in Buffalo, Maryland. I'm sorry, in Baltimore, Maryland. I apologize. Um, Before I do anything else, obligations uh, take precedent first and foremost. I'm here in our studio thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith Show. Normally, on a day like today, I would be talking about sports, obviously. I'll be back in studio talking about sports on ESPN and ESPN2 as of this Wednesday, uh, July 5th. I'm coming off vacation. I'll be on the air. I'll be on the air ESPN2 on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then back uh, our original channel ESPN for first take uh, next Monday. 
But on this particular day, even though I'm on vacation, it's hard to enjoy yourself when you hear the kind of news that we just heard. And I thought it was appropriate to start with Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, even though he was speaking last year in the immediate aftermath of the shootings that took place, the mass shooting that occurred in Uvalde, Texas. The reality is, is that it's apropos. It's apropos to bring that up now because the level of rage, disgust, exhaustion and exasperation that he obviously felt last year should be felt by all of us today, especially black America. Now, I'm not going to sit up there and talk to you about everything that's going on in this country, because we understand uh, that black people in this country aren't the only one with issues. There are shootings with white people taking place. There are shootings in the Latino community that are taking place. We understand all of that. Black folks are not the only ones dying. And we certainly have sensitivity to all human life, at least on this show. I can tell you that much. But I'm coming to you today as a black man. Because I alluded to this months ago, and I'm not going to back up from it now. It's an utter disgrace what's happening throughout the streets of America. And for those of you who don't know what happened as of this weekend, let me, you know, articulate what has transpired. Sunday, 1230 a.m., gunfire erupted at an annual neighborhood block party. A block party. Now, there are those of you who will sit up there and say, well, you know what, it wasn't a permit. They were having a block party without a permit. Shut the hell up. That's not the point. The point is that gunfire broke out during a block party. What was supposed to be a celebration ended up in two people dying because of gun violence and 28 people injured. 28. And by the way, um, I believe it was the fourth shooting this weekend. There was one that occurred in Wichita, Kansas, where nine people were shot. There was one that occurred in Memphis, Tennessee, where four people were shot. And And there was one that occurred in the Bronx, New York, where I was born before being raised in Hollis, Queens, New York City, born in the Bronx, where four other people were shot. It's just one of many incidences that have taken place this year. There is no doubt about that. But we're going to talk about Baltimore, Maryland, just for a second here. We'll hear in a second from Mayor Brandon Brandon Scott, along with Governor Westmore, two African-Americans that are overseeing the city of Baltimore and the state of Maryland. But before I even get into that, 28 individuals wounded. 15 of them were minors under the age of 18 years of age. 15. Three victims were 15 years old. One victim was 14 years old. Two were only 13 years of age. This is what's going on in the streets of America. And like I said before, there's a lot of stuff going on throughout this country. And the most heinous thing that I could possibly imagine, I think about Uvalde, Texas. I think about Sandy Hook, where little children were executed. Okay? And nothing in life appears more egregious than that. But death is death. Violence is violence. And when the hell are we going to do something? Just like Steve Kerr said, when the hell are we going to do something? Hell with the vacation. How the hell can you smile and sit back and enjoy yourself with bullshit like this happening? This is unbelievable. It doesn't seem to end. And I'm going to tell you something right now. It's incredibly alarming to me. When we think about, I, I just made sure, because I'm going, I, I want to make sure. And just for those of you who will question, where's he getting this information from? How about prisonpolicy.org? How about gunviolencearchive.org? 
along with various other websites. They ain't making this stuff up. Now, you might ask, Stephen A., excuse me, we understand you're a black man. We get the level of sensitivity that you may have, but, but, but still in all, death is death. And I understand that. I understand that. But as a black man, I'm going to stop there first. And here is the reason why. The Latino population, the Hispanic population, doesn't appear to be an endangered species. White folks in the United States of America, despite the fact that their populace has has diminished to below 60%, to 58.9% to be exact, they don't appear to be an endangered species. Black folks are the ones making up 13.6% of the population in the United States of America. By the way, when I talk about the populace, did you know that in the United States of America right now, 38% of the 1.9 million people incarcerated in this country, according to prisonpolicy.org, 38% are white of the 1.9 million. That comes up to 722,000 for those of you who don't have a calculator in front of you. You know what the black prison populace is? 38%. Identical to the white community. The difference is that the 722,000 for the black community is subtracted from the 13.6% of the population in America. Whereas the 722,000 from the white community is of their 58.9% populace. Who's in more trouble? It would happen to be us. When are we going to do something? As Steve Kerr would say, when the hell are we going to do something? I got a whole bunch of numbers here. And I made sure to look it up because I didn't want people sitting up there looking, like, hey, Stephen A., I mean, what, what does this have to do with anything? I want you to pay attention. I want you to understand this. I'm looking at some of the events, areas where shooting recently occurred. Baltimore, Maryland, block party. Hollywood, Florida. Allen, Texas, May 6th, Atlanta, Georgia, May 3rd, Dadeville, Alabama, April 15th, where four people were killed and 32 were wounded. It's the East Coast, it's the West Coast, it's the South. It's states with strict and stiff gun laws, and it's states with damn near no gun laws, as far as I'm concerned. We can bring up the proliferation, proliferation of guns in this country. Or lack thereof. We can bring it all up. The fact of the matter is, when it comes to black folks, it don't matter. Especially with us, because we in a world of trouble. What are we going to do about it? As Steve Kerber say, when are we going to do something? When are we going to do something? 28 people wounded for a black party. Gunfire breaks out. Two gunmen on the loose. They don't know who they are. They're bloviated about we, gonna, we ain't going to rest until we find them, but we can't find any witnesses that know who the hell did all the shooting. And by the way, in the state of Maryland, I'd like to know what kind of argument can be made when they grade an A- minus on a Giffords gun law scorecard. I mean, states like California and New Jersey have a a grading of A, so they have even stricter gun laws, but Maryland is no slouch in all of this. 
Maryland has some of the strictest gun laws, according to a uh, scoring an A minus on a Giffords gun law scorecard. Gun purchases require a seven day waiting period and all handguns must be registered with the state police. Maryland also has a ban on assault weapons and large capacity ammunition magazines, as well as a requirement that all purchases of handguns must complete safety training. In addition, individuals must be 21 years or older to purchase or possess firearms and background checks are required for any transfer of ownership. Fine. Why the hell have there been 130 homicides in Baltimore this year? And over 300 shootings. Is that working for you? I don't know what the hell to say. I'm not blaming anybody, meaning the politicians. But I mean, damn. When you hear about those strict gun laws and you hear about the fact that they're prioritizing it when your mayor, who is 39 years of age, Brandon Scott, campaigns on making sure to what? Reduce homicides by 15% each year in his term. Getting them to below 300 homicides in his first year as mayor, well, I think it's safe to say it ain't the greatest start in the world. I think that's fair to say. But before I go any further, let's highlight for a second from the news in Baltimore what exactly has transpired. Play that first clip for me, y'all, please. Nikki, in that surveillance video, you can see dozens of people running through the street of that Brooklyn neighborhood. At one point, there are people that are actually ducking behind cars to take cover. Now, police telling us tonight that at least nine victims remain in the hospital. The other victims have since been treated and left. They tell us that 15 of those victims are under the age of 18 years old. Police hammering down that message that they are not going to sleep until they find the person or persons responsible for this. And I do want to warn our viewers that what you are about to see and hear may be very disturbing. An $8,000 reward now on the table to help police track down the killers of these two victims, 20-year-old Kylas Fogbemi and 18-year-old Aliyah Gonzalez. If there's anybody near an AMBO with a white sheet that's available, I'm going to need it. Police now releasing the ages of the 28 surviving victims of Brooklyn's mass shooting. 13 are 18 years or older. 15 are 17 years or younger. There you have it. There you have it. And of course, we're going to hear the regular stuff that we always hear. And I'm not questioning the sincerity or lack thereof of a mayor or a governor. I'm just talking about the futility of words, which is why I started off this show by airing Steve Kerr's exasperation over yet the latest shooting. Here is Mayor Brandon Scott, and this is what he had to say in regards to the shooting that took place last night in Baltimore, Maryland. Listen to this. Someone out there knows, uh, and we want everybody who was out there, somebody knows who did this. I don't care if it's the parents, the brother, the wife, uh, the girlfriend of those who are responsible. We need you to say something. We need you to treat this as if someone had taken the life of your son, your daughter, your father, your brother. We need you to do that and step up and do the right thing. And to those who carried out the, the, the act, we will find you. We will bring you to justice. But again, uh, this brings and highlights not just for Baltimore, but for our country, the need to deal with the flow of illegal guns into our communities, especially from neighborhoods outside of them. Uh, we will continue to be focused on that here in Baltimore, but our country has to be focused on that as well. 
I appreciate where he's coming from. Again, as a reminder, white folks make up 58.9% of the population. Hispanics or Latinos make up 19.1% of the population. African-Americans, black folks make up 13.6% of the population. Yet white folks and black folks make up 38% of the 1.9 apiece, by the way, 38% apiece. White and black folks make up the 1.9 million people in the United States of America who are incarcerated. I got more stats for you before I get into what the mayor had to say. April 26, 2023 report from the Wallet Hub on top five homicide rates per capita by a city in the year 2023, which is now only six months old. Memphis is number one. New Orleans is number two. Baltimore is number three. St. Louis is number four. Detroit is number five. Oh, by the way, um, Memphis 64.6% black. New Orleans, 58.1% black. Baltimore, 61.6% black. St. Louis is just at 44.8% black. And then, of course, Detroit is at 77.9% black. You see where I'm going? You see where I'm going? They figured it out. They figured it out. Black folks are rendering ourselves an endangered species. We're doing this to each other. Now, I know that's not the popular thing to say. And there are going to be people out there, particularly from the African-American community, that's going to be about the business of, you know what, why you got to go there? Because somebody has to. That's why. I don't give a damn about white America's role to this degree. I understand that from a historic perspective, from a systemic perspective, white America's hands are not clean. I get all of that. We talked about this with the affirmative action rule last week. We understand that. But in the end, what it comes down to is this gun control or no gun control. Who the hell's pulling the trigger? And if you're so quick to pull it against one another, how the hell do we possibly have a future? These are our children's lives that are being taken away. Talk about teenagers. Talk about teenagers. Getting smoked while chilling at a block party. Chilling at a block party. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And you have to pay attention to the numbers because the numbers are dwindling. And you have to pay attention to the numbers because what's going on in our society. Let me give you another stat because I want you to pay attention. Okay? I want you to pay attention. Because see, when you ain't, because there are black folks dying, but it's a double whammy. Because it's black folks dying at the hands of black people. And when black people are killing you, eventually they're going to get caught. And when they get caught, they're going to contribute to the 1.9 million incarceration rate that presently exists right now. How do I know this for sure? Did you know there's 1,566 state prisons in the country right now? Did you know there's 98 federal prisons in this country right now? Did you know that there's 3,116 local jails? Right now, did you know that there's 1,323 juvenile correctional facilities? Who the hell do you think they building it for? Do I have to direct you to the docuseries or the documentary that was 13 on Netflix directed by Ava DuVernay? You want to go look, look it up. You can lament the history of this country. And how systemic racism and prejudice and all of this other stuff played a role and how black folks and crimes were, they were criminalized to such a degree because you know what? It was modern day slavery. 
Slavery, the eradication of it was supposed to take place in 1865. So they had to come up with a different way to throw us in jail. Yeah, 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 yeah. All true. Nothing false about it. But completely irrelevant when it comes to us shooting one another. What that got to do with a black person pulling out a gun and willing to shoot into a crowd filled with minorities, filled with people who look like them, that share their hue, their pigmentation, their cultural identity, and everything else in between. What that got to do with it? You gonna call it out or not? Because society's coming. Have you been paying attention? Have you been paying attention? Just last week, we sat on this show and we talked about the rulings by the Supreme Court to eradicate race as a consideration from college admissions. People are up in arms about that. And I'm like, you didn't see that coming? You see that coming? You had no idea that was coming. Clarence Thomas didn't hit that last year, didn't flat out state last year that he was coming for that. That the state Supreme Court was coming to address all of those things. Last year it was Roe v. Wade. Women's right to choose, gone. Oh, gun control. We're going to alleviate those concerns. We're going to loosen those gun restrictions. So much so that when you look at states, states by state right now, you're talking about constitutional carry states. That means you have the right to carry concealed weapons without even a permit. Do you know there's now 26 states that have that license? Let me read them to you. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Maine, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, West Virginia, Wyoming, and just this past Friday, Florida, the state of of Governor Ron DeSantis. You now don't need a permit to carry a concealed weapon. Obviously, the lessening and the leniency as it pertains to the gun laws contributed to that. So even in states with the strictest gun laws, California, New Jersey, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, and New York, you go elsewhere. There's 26 states right now. That's what they did last year. This year, in a span of days, they addressed affirmative action. They elevated the religious rights of folks with the woman who didn't want to serve a gay couple. I forgot whether it was with a cake or something for their celebration. She didn't want to do it. And she earned the right to do it through the Supreme Court. What do you think is next? Ever heard of diversity, equity, and inclusion? It's called DEI. You ever heard of that? If you haven't, you should. You know why? Because before it was college admissions. But now within the same ruling, you're going to have a situation where corporations, particularly those that employ 15 or more people, can be under the same rules as public institutions. I tried to tell y'all this. I'm just looking at it. 
Fair admissions applied the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause to Harvard and other private universities by way of Title VI. That section of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibits discrimination on the ground of race, color, or national origin by any program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Title VII of the 1964 Act, as Justice Neil Gorsuch notes in his concurring opinion, applies the same anti-discrimination principles to private businesses with more than 15 employees. They are liable for damages if they discriminate on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. So if you're white, if you're Asian, if you're Hispanic, whatever, in a private industry with 15 or more employees decides that they're going to favor somebody else and by virtue of doing so discriminate against you, They're no longer protected. Everywhere you turn, folks are coming. As a result, we need all the help we can get. We need each other. We need each other living. We need each other breathing. We need to uplift one another, to galvanize, to inspire and motivate. We need to make sure that our eyes are dotted and our T's are crossed, that our eyes are wide open and we can see the forest from the trees. Not smoke one another and take one another out and damn sure not be quiet about it. But that's what a lot of people want. You want the Stephen A's of the world to shut the hell up. And I'm not talking about the white community. I'm not talking about the Hispanic community. I'm talking about my own community. Oh, don't say anything. Why are we we pointing that out? Why are we talking about it? Because we're dying. That's why. We're killing one another. That's why. You got black people scared to go in their own damn communities. I remember last year watching television and we had black folks in Chicago calling for martial law. Calling for the National Guard to come in and help out local law enforcement just so they could go home safe at night. Are we supposed to be quiet about that? We ain't supposed to say anything? We just supposed to look at race? We supposed to point the finger at white America like we ain't culpable? That's what we supposed to do? Nah. Nah. I'm not doing that. As Snoop Dogg says, I ain't selling out. I'm looking out. We're not helping each other by being quiet and averting ourselves from holding our own selves accountable. Period. And you got right-wing networks and left-wing networks manipulating sound bites, grabbing a hold of it just so they can make their point or buffer their point. Bump all of that. This is about life and death. That's what this is about. This isn't a political issue. Veering towards the right or the left. I didn't get into gun control. I didn't get into the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms. I didn't go there. I didn't favor one candidate over over the other. I didn't go there. When I speak against, against Trump, I speak against him, not against Republicans. I speak against him because he doesn't know how to act. I didn't say anything about the right or left. I'm not policy driven and getting getting into the politics of the situation. When I'm talking about this, I'm a black man. And I'm watching black folks evaporate before our very eyes. 
excuse my language, and we don't say shit. Not a damn thing. Bump that. I'm not having it. I'm not being silent. I read you the incarceration rate. I read you the percentage of blacks incarcerated. I read you the top five cities with the highest homicide rates. All black. With the exception of St. Louis. And we know when a lot of deaths have occurred in St. Louis, they've been black folks dying. Albeit rightfully so, we lose our damn minds when one of us is killed at the hands of a white person. How the hell are we so silent when thousands of us are falling at the hands of our own? Steve Kerr said it best. When the hell are we going to do something? When the hell are we going to do something? When the hell are we going to do something? Westmore, the governor from Maryland, uh, he spoke as well. But again, I'm not disrespecting and dismissing what he's saying. but I have to take it with a grain of salt. It doesn't mean you have to, though. Put up that quote. Let's see what he had to say. Maryland Governor Wes Moore said, quote, Last night, we saw yet another mass shooting strike our community where a celebratory gathering turned deadly. My heart breaks for these victims, their families, and the Baltimore community that is coping with the loss. Maryland has had enough of watching gun violence continue to ravage our state and our nation. The fact that these horrific shootings continue to take place is abominable. We as a state will continue to do everything to prevent senseless acts of violence like the one we saw last night. Fair statement. I will credit him for not politicizing it. I'm not saying we don't need gun control in this country because I certainly don't believe that people need to be walking around with concealed weapons without a permit or training. And I certainly don't believe that an average American citizen should be walking around with an was it AR-15, AK-47, stuff like that. I don't believe in that. I do believe in Second Amendment rights. I do believe that you have a right to have a gun in your home. I'm not for the complete eradication of guns. I just want them policed better. That's all. But no matter which side you're on, this is about the side of human life. This is about black lives mattering. Where's the noise? When are we going to do something? If a police officer went out there right now and killed somebody black, we'd be in an uproar. And rightfully so. If a white person or some wannabe cop who was white or Hispanic happened to shoot an unarmed black person, we'd be up in arms, and rightfully so. How is this proliferation and accumulation of flat-out, cold-blooded murder 
not causing the same kind of uproar. It's inconsistent. And when it's inconsistent, white folks and other folks in this country look at us with a raised eyebrow because the level of consistency is not there. And it gives them cause to challenge the authenticity of our argument because we're not making an argument about black lives mattering. We're only saying that when a black life is taken from somebody who's not black, but we ain't saying it when it's taken from those who are. And when you do that, you dilute the potency of our position. And the argument falls on deaf ears. And then everything that we want accomplished is like whistling in the wind. It's why racism has fallen to the bottom of the totem pole in favor of xenophobia, homophobia, transphobia. It's why affirmative action gets eradicated without a blink of an eye. It's how all the things that particularly affect our communities becomes a diluted issue. It's why diversity, equity, and inclusion is next. Because we don't matter as much as we should. Part of the reason is history and systemic racism that comes with it. The other part is the fact that we have some bad apples in our community who don't give two shits about us and would take us out without blinking. When are we going to deal with that? When are we going to deal with that? This is the Stephen A. Smith show. I promised you that wasn't the only thing I was going to talk about. I was going to get into the cuts at ESPN that have been percolating throughout the news over the last few days. I ain't running from that either. I'm here. I'm off, but I'm here. Special edition of the Stephen A. Smith show. Coming back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Um, by the way, uh, appreciate all the support. We're up to 210,000 subscribers and counting. So even though I've been on vacation, it hasn't stop climbing one bit. I appreciate the love and support. Uh, continuously encouraging you to please make sure to like and subscribe, hit the bell so you can get notified when we go live. Um, so I want to thank you for that. Um, piggybacking off of it, uh, what I was saying, I'm a solution-oriented individual. And before I get into ESPN um, and Walt Disney overall and what's been transpiring, um, obviously, um, I'm a premier voice you know, working for Disney and ESPN during my day job. And a lot of people have been clamoring for me to comment about that. I will in a second. But staying with this particular subject, piggybacking off the Baltimore shootings this weekend, um, reminding you that there's been 130 homicides 
and over 300 shootings in Baltimore this year alone. It's very, very disturbing. One could easily ask the question, what can we do about it? It's real easy to talk about it. What's the solution? I'm not a politician. I don't have all the answers, but I can give you, I can make a try out of it if you don't mind. As the black community, as a member of the black community, we have to get to a point where black lives matter. Not just when somebody from outside the black community takes one of us or one of our lives. It has to matter all the time. It has to matter when black people are committing acts of violence against our own. Just as vehemently, just as emphatically as it does when somebody from outside of our community, whether it's somebody from the white community, whether it's somebody from the blue community, as in police. Because you see, when you conduct it that way and you approach it that way, it galvanizes everybody in America to come together to help solve and provide a solution to what ails us. They're not ducking for cover because you're looking to blame somebody. You're all joined, locked in arms with one another to alleviate what's ailing us as a community. That's how you resolve matters like this. That's how you begin the process of it. Black folks have always had it harder than everybody else. White America, you shouldn't get offended when I said that. It's factual. When white folks catch a cold, black folks catch pneumonia. It's always worse for us than it is for you. Don't give a damn what the circumstances and conditions are. It's always the case. But in the same breath, it doesn't make white America culpable for every damn thing that happens to us. We're responsible too. And I just can't sit idly by and ignore that reality. We have to be put forth our due diligence in terms of holding us accountable. We can provide explanations. We can provide rationale and reasoning as to why something may transpire. But you can't ignore the ramifications that inevitably must come our way if we're guilty of such transgressions. And by the way, we don't. White America, please understand something. Black folks put, put black folks in jail all the time. Black folks are judged by a jury of our peers all the time. Black folks don't mind going in the jury, looking at the facts and deducing based on the facts what judgment to make and doing it accordingly. Don't go by the OJ trial when we let his sorry murdering ass off. He should have been under the prison. We know that. But don't go by him. That's an aberration. For the most part, law enforcement will tell you the courts will tell you black folks in juries or on juries put black folks in jail all the time. Yet somehow, some way, when it comes to the murders of black people that occur at the hands of black people, the level of energy and passion seems to be absent compared to what we would be like when someone outside the black community does it to us. We got to do better. We got to do better. Let me transition to...
to a story that has been percolating for quite some time now because ESPN just the other day laid off about 20 members of its on-air talent. I titled this Change Happened. More to come. Because, as you all know, I work at ESPN. My day job is First Take. NBA Countdown 2, NBA Stephen A's World, all of that stuff, but mainly First Take. And there are a lot of people um, who got laid off. Friends of mine, actually. Definitely respected colleagues who've done a phenomenal job and deserved better. But it's not Disney or ESPN that they deserved better from. They deserved better from than the times we're living in. A lot of people don't want to see that and they don't want to appreciate that. But those are people rife with emotion, some justifiably, obviously, but are not paying enough attention to the dollars. Right here on this podcast, when Disney announced that 7,000 layoffs were coming, everybody associated with ESPN knew this day would arrive. Folks as individuals were hoping it just wasn't them. To see Jalen Rose gone, my brother, done an outstanding job for us covering the NBA for years. Got a lot of love for that brother. A lot of the great work he's done over the years, what he's represented for the company. I'm going to miss him. Jalen Rose has always been good to me. And I loved working with him on NBA Countdown. He is a brilliant, brilliant basketball mind. He is somebody that worked his ass off all the time. There was never an assignment he backed away from. There was never a time he didn't want to work. And my heart goes out to him for being one of these cuts after his exceptional run at ESPN. Jeff Van Gundy's another. You don't get labeled as a part of the A-team unless you're an A-teamer. That was Jeff Van Gundy, former head coach of the New York Knicks, former head coach of the Houston Rockets, outstanding, brilliant basketball analyst for ESPN for years. I could say I'm going to miss him, but I just can't imagine he's going to be out of work for long. I'm sure I'll see him on the air doing his thing. Him and Mark Jackson with Mike Breen, without question, the A-team. Guys that I was proud to call colleagues and still am and always will be. Mike Breen, a Hall of Famer. One of the greatest to ever do what he's done as a play-by-play guy, as far as I'm concerned. Jeff Van Gundy's been a Hall of Fame analyst and commentator. I believe Mark Jackson to be the same. But we're going to have to sit up here, along with very many others, 
Okay, Neil Everett from Sports Center, Ashley Brewer from Sports Center, you know, my brother Keyshawn Johnson, my brother. Now, I know him on a far more personal level than I know many others. We've been friends for over 20 years. Um, I'm sad to see him go. I think he'll be fine. Keyshawn Johnson is a businessman extraordinaire. He knows how to make money, knows how to get money, and he is not phased. He is fine. I spoke to him over the weekend. He's fine. But I personally am going to miss him because of his contribution to First Take, what he has done for me, what he's done for my life, just being a big brother and a friend of me. I love him to death. And I know he's going to be fine. There's various others, and I don't want to mention everybody because I don't want to forget anybody's name. But those names certainly come to mind. I'm even going to mention Max Kellerman. I know y'all thought I wouldn't. I am not happy that he is gone. We all know what history we had. We all know what happened with he and I parting ways on first take. I don't want the brother unemployed. I want him gainfully employed. I want him having a job and a career. And that brother knows his box and inside is out as smart as a whip and has been around a long time. I wish him no ill will. And a matter of fact, although I sincerely doubt he ever will, if he ever called me needing my help, I would not hesitate to help him. Just because I don't want to work with you directly in a debate show doesn't mean I didn't want to work with you. Doesn't mean I couldn't have worked with him covering a boxing match. Doesn't mean I couldn't have worked with him covering a UFC match. Doesn't mean I could have worked with him doing Sports Center, a Sports Center segment, or somebody else. I'm just talking about a two hour debate show. I wanted a different partner. That's all. I wish the brother nothing but the best. But if we're going to be real about it, Let's deal with reality. This ain't the end. More is coming. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I could be next. Let me tell y'all something. Don't ever, ever, ever in your life as a black person Take anything for granted. I told you before, when black folks, when white folks catch a cold, black folks catch pneumonia. Daniel Everett's gone. The Jeff Van Gundy's are gone. The, uh, you know, David Pollack, outstanding football, college football analyst. Love him. He was one of the casualties. Todd McShay. College football analyst extraordinaire, especially for the NFL draft. He's been late. He's part of the casualties. Love him. You didn't think black folks was going to be on the list too? That's always the case. And the one thing that I can tell you about Stephen A., this ain't 2009. I really didn't see it coming. My eyes are always wide open now. I'm never comfortable. I never take anything for granted, and I never assume that I'm safe. And first takes number one. 
and been number one for 11 and a half plus years. Now, as an aside, veering away from ESPN before I get back to ESPN and Disney, let me address something to some of the haters out there about me. Y'all can kiss my ass. Twice. And I'm talking about the people. I'm talking directly to the people in the industry who sat up there and said, why isn't Stephen A gone? Ladies and gentlemen, we got a few people at ESPN getting paid more than me. They don't have a number one show. They don't have the top ratings. They don't generate more revenue. How come y'all didn't bring their names up? And by the way, none of them are black. How come you didn't bring their names up? I wonder why. I'm talking to those folks, the critics in the media. Or the wannabe medias with the blogosphere and the websites. That never went through the terrain of being a members of official members of the fourth estate. I'm talking about them. How come y'all didn't bring them up? But me, who's been number one, who's got the top rated show, who, by the way, is an executive producer on that top rated show. My name comes up. I'll leave that for y'all to handle. But never worry. I mean, never fear. My name might come up sometime in the near future for all I know. Others have been bought out. I'm, it's not beyond the realms of comprehension that I could be next. But if it happens. Let me tell you what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't blame Disney. You shouldn't blame ESPN. This isn't some corporate lackey taking the whole corporate line. I'm paying attention and I'm reading the tea leaves and I'm telling you what it is. You can either listen or not. Facebook turned to, you know, let go of over 10,000 people, if I remember correctly. Didn't Amazon let go of thousands of people, y'all? Am I, am I correct in saying that, Ashley? Sumatra, Gaff, am I correct in saying that? Amazon laid off thousands. Facebook laid off thousands, okay? Netflix had its purge a while back. What do you think was going to happen? See, all of these folks that are fainting, I'm not talking about the people who were let go. My heart and my compassion, I've been there. And for me, it was different, by the way. They were let go because of cuts. I was fired. And when I was fired, I was damn near blackballed because the message was sent. This is not somebody you want to work with. I didn't know if I'd ever have a career again. That's entirely different than being able to go to a prospective employee and saying, I was just a part of cuts and layoffs. There's no, there's no, you're not being besmirched when that happens. I was besmirched. I don't know by whom, but that was the overall message that was being received by the public. I'm telling you today is different. It's a numbers game. It's about revenue and ratings. Revenue being paramount at Disney. Why? COVID-19, ladies and gentlemen. The pandemic. Don't you remember the parks being closed? You don't know how much money is generated from the parks in Anaheim, in Florida, in France, in Shanghai, Tokyo. COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic, 
was not just in the United States of America. It was worldwide. You have any idea how much money was lost? How about the movies? Now you go to the movies. You take your girl or your wife. If you're married with children, you take them. If you're not married, but you got children, you take them. If you want to go see it twice, you got to pay twice. Not just for entry to the movies, but for the popcorn and the soda and the candy and everything like that. But streaming... You get to order it once and watch it as many times as you want to without having to go to the theater. Why do you think Disney said we've lost $5.5 billion? I understand transgender issues and the LGBTQ community has its things that it wants addressed. No shade on that whatsoever. I'm a black man. I stand with you. I'm not for prejudice against anyone. The flip side, however, is when you had folks boycotting or protesting outside the walls of Disney because they wanted Disney to speak up about the don't say gay policy, Sure, you speak up. It's the right thing to do. No problem. But you knew DeSantis would come back. You knew folks on the right who supported him and supported that ideology would speak out. You knew eventually that could potentially have a detrimental impact on Disney's bottom line. Again, not these people who will let go. I'm only talking numbers. I'm bringing in a plethora of things that affects your bottom line as a business. Budweiser's going through it because of the transgender person, Mulvaney, that they had on one of its cans. They talk about how much money they're losing. Chick-fil-A got into a controversy because they got a bit political. And people think that it's going to affect them. You've got folks on other side of the ideology that galvanize and speak out against such positions and how do they exact revenge and retribution upon you by affecting your bottom line. That's business. I assure you, as God is my witness, if Disney didn't lose five and a half billion dollars, Jeff Van Gundy wouldn't be gone. David Pollack wouldn't be gone. Todd McShay and Jalen Rose and Neil Everett and others wouldn't be gone. More cuts wouldn't be on the way. Following the cuts behind the scenes, I didn't bring up the producers and the editors and all of these wonderful people that I work with that lost their jobs. Or those who are still there that are worried as hell they're going to lose theirs because they see the climate. They see the climate. And then everybody wants to come along. Oh, Stephen A., I mean, please stop it. Don't be a capitalist. Don't bring up corporate America again. Why? How are you paying your bills? How are you paying your bills? Take your time. Answer the question. I'll wait. How are you paying your bills? See, we want to talk. But we don't want to be practical. 
We don't want to make sense. We want to be emotional. Folks lamented how folks are being laid off, but Pat McAfee arrived at ESPN. Pat McAfee wasn't hired by ESPN. Pat McAfee was acquired by ESPN via the Pat McAfee show. He had a product that he built through his grit, his hard work, his determination, his focus, his brilliance, and he turned it in to a $120 million deal that was once given to him by FanDuel. ESPN acquired that business. He's not an employee. He's a product that was acquired. I would know because I'm an employee who's trying to become a product. That is the world that we're living in. Y'all listen to who y'all want to. I want to listen to Jay-Z. I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. That's my aspiration. That's what Pat McAfee achieved. It's what Colin Cowherd achieved. It's what Dan Patrick achieved. It's what Joe Rogan achieved. It's what Bill Simmons achieved. Are you paying attention? That's what's going on. You want to look at corporate America and treat them like they're villains in all of this. They are who they've always been. Numbers crunches. Bottom line. Revenue. Ratings. Stockholders, shareholders, are you feeding the beast to make sure you stay alive? No matter where you turn, politics, medicine, pharmaceutical, technology, education, Even the streets of America with unsavory characters who are breaking laws to do it. Everything comes down to business. Everything comes down to business. If we don't get it, we better get it. And we could sit up there and we could go back and forth and we could, you know, go off and, and stick out our chest and act like we're going to be defiant. We're going to be defiant. We're going to be defiant. It's not good enough. We could kill each other in the streets of America. Ain't good enough because you ain't going to kill everybody. Business is going to always take place as long as this world is in existence. Now, that world might come to the end with the nonsense that's going on in this world with Russia having more nuclear heads than the United States and us being the two largest you know, countries that have nuclear warheads and China trying to do its thing with Taiwan and all of this other stuff. We don't know what the hell is going on. I only bring that last part up because I watched 60 Minutes on Sunday night. Everywhere we turn, there's problems. We don't know what's going to happen to the world. But it's about business. 
This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? I'll close by saying this. You know, one of my favorite things, and I told Jay-Z this, I watch, because I'm a huge fan. It's my brother with friends. I got love for him, but he's so brilliant. I just listen to his music sometimes, but one of my favorite things that he used to say or that he said one day while he was freestyling, I held on to. He said, you know brothers die for equal pay, right? You know when I work, I ain't your slave, right? You know I ain't shucking the jiving and high-fiving. You know this ain't back in the days, right? Given the impression, times have damn sure changed. And to some degree, he's right. But as things change, they remain the same when stuff goes bad. Times are bad right now. And that's why you see stuff reverting back to old times. You can look at policies. You can look at Supreme Court rulings. Or you could take this latest example of corporate America. Disney ain't the only one making cuts. They ain't the first and they ain't going to be the last. And it ain't the first time it's happened. It's been happening for years. There's been recessions. There's been inflation. There's been all of this going on. There's been depression. In the 1930s to 2008, when Obama first took office, he inherited one. It's not going away. All you can do is make sure you pay attention to what's going on. So you can do the best that you possibly can do to avert it from squeezing the life out of you. That is reality. That is what has happened. And if I am lucky enough to be immune from it now, that does not mean that will be the case tomorrow. The only difference between now compared to 2009 is that I won't be blindsided. I'll see it coming. Can you say the same? Can you say the same? Only if you're paying attention. That's it for this special edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show. I'll be back on Wednesday live at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific. Make sure to like and subscribe for the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube. Hit that bell so you get notified when we do go live. Again, I'll be back off vacation officially. I'll be on first take Monday. I'm sorry, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on ESPN2. We return back to ESPN next Monday. Okay, but I'll be right here this Wednesday And this Friday, at the very least, 4 p.m. live, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, peace and love, everybody. Be blessed. Keep your eyes and your ears open. Be ready for anything. That's the world we're living in. Get used to it. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. 
Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.